This is MJ. I love comics, and right now I want to talk about Captain America comics number five, specifically the uh, Captain America stories found therein. So, gosh, I, this one was a really hard one for me to, I don't know, get through. Uh, I was sick, uh, way sicker than I've been in a long time, so I ended up reading the comic, or, you know, the several different stories in the comic over several days, and I came away with... I don't know, an interesting, <laughs> an interesting conclusion. I was uh, excited about it, I was cynical, I was kind of all over the map. Um, but I just wanted to uh, pull attention to some negative things first, um, and then I'll, I'll talk more about the positive. So this is uh, art and editorial all by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Uh, I want to know who was responsible for this. They're uh, flying to this, I think, a fictional island, Kuona, or Kunoa. Because uh, I don't know geography, I don't know Hawaii, I've never been there. Who knows if I ever will. Uh, anyway, uh, but, you know, there's this really cool illustration or, you know, drawing in the comic of this plane flying that, you know, James and uh, James Barnes and, and Steve Rogers are on. And all of a sudden, it cuts away and there's this description saying, you know, what this plane is doing. But it's like a wing and a pod under it, so I don't know if they didn't finish... Um, illustrating it if they ran out of time or whatever but it's just real weird because you could see a mountain range a volcano uh you could see this bay with these ships in it and all of that's rendered you know fairly nicely i can see where the sky ends and the water begins and you know it all basically makes sense but just this thing i, I stared at it for maybe a minute trying to figure out what exactly this weird wing was and i guess it's supposed to be the plane it's just drawn really terribly so for all those who uh you know think jack king kirby is their god or the god of uh drawing uh i mean maybe joe simon drew this i don't know but um you know kirby's certainly not perfect and anybody who pretends he is uh you're being silly and i guess here's some proof to uh show you that he isn't so uh I, i'm not doing that to be malicious i'm just doing that because i think it's you know kind of the right thing to do it's best to keep things and people in proper perspective Something else I kind of got a laugh out of um, was uh, there's a page where there's an appeal to the Sentinels of Liberty and actually one of the full comic stories was about uh, the Sentinels of Liberty uh, basically being kind of like the Hitler Youth if you think about it and ratting out people to uh, you know Captain America and Bucky who they thought were uh, German sympathizers, you know Bund sympathizers or part of the you know German Bund. Uh, which was a group of people who were loyal to Germany, not the U.S., and, uh, you know, tried to... I, I don't know how extensive they were, if they were spies or what kind of support they gave to Germans uh, during World War II or the German state over World War II, but one of them, you know, it's kind of a diverse group. There's a girl in there, there's a chubby guy, there's a pig-faced boy, and then there's a, um, like, a caricature blackface-style boy uh, you see characters drawn like this in other cultures, like, uh, in manga, there's characters like this, uh, you know, where they're black and they're, they're drawn with, like, like, black skin. Uh, people think that, um, one of the guys in Dragon Ball Z is, uh, this type of character, but he's not. I, I believe I'm correct in that. But, like, Shotaro Ishinomori in his Cyborg 009 manga, which is pretty famous, uh, has a black character, and he is drawn uh, similarly, where his skin is very dark, but then he has white lips. And 
I've heard people debate that it's a style, uh, that it's you know an antiquated style, but that it wasn't necessarily malicious. I've heard people say that it's basically like drawing someone blackface who's actually black. So I don't know. I don't know where you define that or, or how you call that out, but um, as much as a uh, you know SJW is people like to make Kirby uh, out to be in the modern age. Uh, and he does even have, um, I don't remember if it's something Cap says or if it's something in the caption somewhere that's very much um, pro-social justice, but I think the right kind. Uh, you know, he had his flaws. And I'm just kind of once again pointing those out. Like I said, I was feeling a little cynical uh, during part of reading this. So I thought I would point those things out and share them because I think it's a, important. I mean, it, it's a shocking image. It made me laugh a little bit because I was just so surprised to see it there. And uh, I thought that it was good of Marvel to leave it there. I'm sure there are, you know, people who are way more into comics than I've been and have been for, you know, decades who know that that's there. And uh, I wonder if there was debate as to whether or not that should be taken out and uh, if the... I think the right side of history won by getting that uh, to remain in there because I think ignoring these things is foolish and acknowledging that they were there and then being able to have a conversation about them is more important than um, not risking offending somebody. I mean, if you think about it, Kirby and Simon are both Jewish, right? So they would, you know, potentially would have been oppressed, uh, potentially, but they also would have been in like Jewish neighborhoods, immigrant neighborhoods. But, uh, you know, seeing a little, bro uh, you know, little brother there, little man, uh, well, I don't mean like that, like, you know, the little brother, the little black guy there, like as part of the Sentinels of America, like, or Sentinels of Liberty, is kind of like them saying like, yeah, even a, uh, you know, colored person can join us in being for liberty and can be a friend and ally of Captain America. And, you know, Captain America, you know, would have no problem giving a chuck on the shoulder or, you know, wrapping his arm around him and, uh, you know, encouraging him to do good and to be righteous and whatnot, you know, just like Cap and Bucky. So it's a very inclusive image. The idea behind it is anyway. It's just the execution of it is, uh, you know, not so uh, great for 2020. But to me, there's an interesting sense of uh, dehumanization. I, now that I'm talking about this blackface character, I want to kind of transition and talk about uh, like all the Nazis or Nazi sympathizers who were shown in this book because we get to see that there are good Germans in this because there's a German family, dad and the son, that are involved with the Bund. Um, or the Bund, they, they don't want to be involved with the Bund, but the Bund members like beat up the dad and stuff because they want him to be part of it. And like there's nuance because like, you know, not only can there be a good you know, Negro, there can be good Germans and um, I don't know, maybe... Maybe one of those other people is supposed to be Japanese in, in the, the Sentinels of Liberty. Uh, but it's interesting that being a visual medium, uh, the and I've talked about this before, but like the inhuman features of the characters uh, get to be exploited um, to show them as villainous or evil or vile or wretched or you know not good in some way. Um, you know, Steve and Bucky are a couple of, uh, you know, good-looking lads. They're strong and healthy Americans. And then uh, it even goes so far as we get to see something that I think is probably very prescient, which is this uh, American flyer who went over and flew for France. Uh, he's being held by the uh, Vichy French right now. Uh, and he is supposed to... They're petitioning for him to be let go because he's being held as a prisoner of war. And, uh, you know, it's been some time. And apparently both Steve and 
Bucky knew him before he uh, went over and flew and was shooting down Nazis. But uh, he's been in prison, like I said, and he almost looks like somebody who came out of the Holocaust, out of a concentration camp. Like, you know, he still has his hair, and he's not quite as skeletal, but he's pretty darn close. And it's, uh, I don't know, I know the world was a lot harsher before, so I don't know if starving people to death, like, was being done at certain points in the concentration camps. I only say that because not that they were treating them well, but, you know, for a time... Uh, there were phases, I guess, let me just simplify it by saying there were phases in how the concentration camps, um, which were always murderous and always demonic, um, in how they processed people. And by process, I mean murder, you know, systematically murdered people. And uh, by the end of the war, when uh, people were freed, and I say people because ex uh, concentration camps were not exclusively full of Jewish people, um, there were gypsies, homosexuals, you know, all sorts of other people that were uh, also held in concentration camps and set to be murdered by, you know, the state, the Nazi state um, that had been voted into power. Uh, be careful how much power you give your state, folks. Um, you know, there were different phases of the process of, you know, system systematic murder that they were going through. But anyway, it just really shocked me to see, because uh, I've seen, I've been to the Museum of Tolerance, I've seen, you know, Schindler's List, I've seen photos of concentration camps and the, you know, mass graves and all the dead bodies and, and the conditions that the people were in. Um, and anyway, it was just really shocking to see that here. Uh, and it's interesting because it, you know, it, it uses the, it's a very short story. It focuses on, you know, how banged up this guy is, but... Uh, after Steve and Bucky, or, you know, Captain Bucky help him out, he actually goes free, and he... Who does he go to fly with? I can't remember who he goes to fly with, but he joins somebody, and he keeps flying as a pilot, and he, you know, kills lots more Nazi um, pilots, dogfighters, I can't remember what you call them, you know, airmen, and, um, you know, he helps the war effort in that way. And it's interesting because he is such a, a noble soldier, and... You know, he suffered so much, but he's willing to go back and fight again. And I thought the that story, and it was interesting, I thought that story built on top of all the other stories that were in the issue, and it really framed Cap and Bucky as like, yeah, they're this amazing, you know, fantastical icon of, you know, soldier fighting against this evil that you know, the U.S. was not involved in war with yet, except for the fact that the U.S. was on the sly supporting um, the Allies a little bit. Um, well, on the sly. I mean, so it was, you know, quiet. Um, Quiet-ish. Anyway. Uh, but, like, they offered this, uh, like, objectified, glorified, um, or, like, perfected version of what, you know, United States military, you know, men and women could be doing um, you know, mostly men, let's be honest, uh, joining in the fight uh, against, you know, the evil dastardly Nazis and, and their allies. Um, and then we have this great example of uh, just this regular Joe who became a pilot and decided to fight because he felt it was right. And he almost gets to be framed as more heroic than Cap and Bucky. And the same thing, the, the Sentinels of Liberty, them and their dads get to be because they run onto the Bund uh, camp uh, which is called like Camp Rhineland or something like that, and uh, or Camp Reich, so I think is what it was. Anyway, um, and they attack it, and they're venerated and seen as you know noble and heroic, and it's just interesting to me because 
while there were a lot of things I really liked about this issue, about the storytelling uh, alone, there were a lot of things that came off kind of nakedly as propaganda. And, I don't know, it it kind of worked, you know? Um, I could definitely see reading this, and I, I've said this before, so I won't belabor the point too much, uh, you know, seeing this, uh, being there reading these things, and then like, you know what, I'm going to go fight because it's the right thing to do, and it's the heroic thing to do. And... I think nobody does that better than, uh, let me see, what's this guy's name? Tom. Yeah, Tom, their pilot friend. Uh, like, I really felt powerfully through these images. Like, man, this guy's amazing. Like, he is very heroic, and, uh, like, I can't believe he's, you know, itching to go back and fight more. Um, and I honestly found that to be admirable and moving and, uh, I don't know, I felt a lot of respect for him. I thought, like, man, you know, I know Captain Bucky, your hero's here, but, like, this guy's a real hero, uh, especially because he's just a pilot. You know, he can't do anything. He doesn't have a magic shield or, a, you know, big six-foot-tall strapping guy that's going to help him out of this tough situation, except for the guy who saved him here. But, uh, I don't know, I just thought it was pretty impressive. Um, I think the comics definitely hit its stride by now. Uh, there were some amazing things, uh, like in the, uh, when they're fighting the, uh, oriental <laughs> sea dragon thing, uh, <clears throat> some of the cutaway art done in that is amazing. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Kirby because, I mean, any competent artist should be able to do that, but then, again, in, I think, Fantastic Four issue three or four, uh, he does something similar where he does a cutaway of the Baxter, or the building that they're in, and, uh, it shows all of these, you know, details of the building, architectural details, technological details, and it's really cool, and, uh, it just kind of thought, made me think, oh, that's kind of a Kirby thing, unless he stole it from, uh, from Simonson <laughs> years later, which he could have, right? Nobody's perfect. That's what I keep saying. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up now. Thanks for sticking with me. Check out mjmunoz.com for more of my work. I'm an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through coffee, or you can buy merch from my Redbubble store. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mjmunoz.com slash STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. If you had a good time, like and share this. Subscribe and ring that bell to catch me next time. I'm Swinging Through Comics. So if you're looking at the screen here, or uh, if you're looking at the bottom of the post for the uh, show notes, for this episode, you'll see the uh, end of the line for you, Kami shirt, which is based on, I think, issue two of Spider-Man. Uh, he fights the chameleon, and he sees that he's headed over to a submarine with the hammer and sickle on it, so he's literally a communist. And I just put a little uh, NPC Wojak kind of guy in the helicopter, and uh, this, you know, n not Spider-Man is pulling him out of there. I thought it was kind of funny. I might work on a uh, cap shirt or a Cap and Bucky shirt because there's some really funny moments and scenes with Cap and Bucky in the uh, well, in the first five or so comics that I've read so far of Captain America comics. So uh, you can look forward to that. Uh, if you have any ideas for stuff you want to see on shirts or stickers or whatever, uh, throw it to me if you like my kind of rough, markery, sketchy <laughs> um, style. Uh, we might be able to... Uh, make something cool that you like. So anyway, let me know. Check it out. You can get it in a sticker, a shirt, lots of different things to uh, help me out if you like it.